didn't suit my personality. At the time, my husband was traveling a lot, and most evenings, dreading the calls filled with irritated customers that inevitably the next day would bring, I'd find myself in tears. After a year of working in this job, I quit and traveled with my husband wherever his company sent him. I thought that just being close to my husband would solve everything and would bring back my passion for life. Over time, as we traveled, I began to dread interacting with others. I was overly self-conscious. I would go out of my way so that I wouldn't have to talk to strangers. And at the time, everyone was a stranger to me. It got to the point where I had completely lost my passion. I found myself staying alone in the apartment all day long, and I had become so reclusive that it would take hours to build up the courage to venture out alone. Eventually, I was hospitalized for depression. Upon recovering from this depressive episode, I knew that I needed to reassess my priorities and the way that I was living. My husband and I settled back into my hometown in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I began making connections with friends again. I started interviewing for jobs. The time came when I had to choose between a full-time bank job and a part-time job in customer service at a publishing company, which didn't require a college degree, but would have me surrounded with one of my passions, books. My first reaction was to take the bank job. After all, I wanted my parents to feel that their college dollars had been well spent. But then I looked deeper. What did I want to do? Which job would I be the most passionate about? Where would I find the most joy? The answer was obvious, the publishing company. It's a choice that I've never regretted once. Within this company, I moved from customer service to editing to eventually writing books and becoming the host of the Inspired Living Cafe, where I write a weekly newsletter. I couldn't imagine a job more suited to my personality. I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. And my passion for life came back when I realized that what I wanted mattered too. What did I want to do? Women as Caregivers In 2003, 50.3% of adult women were married and living with a spouse. Over 10% of women were the head of a household, meaning that they had children or other relatives living in their household, but no spouse. Another 16.6% of adult women lived in the home of a parent or other relative. Almost 15% of adult women lived alone, and nearly 7% were living with non-relatives. Women often function as caregivers for the people with whom they live, or for other relatives or friends. One out of every four people is a caregiver for a family member or friend, and, in the absence of an able spouse, a daughter or daughter-in-law is most likely to assume the role of caregiver. Approximately 75% of caregivers for older family members and friends are female. Of the 2.4 million grandparents who live with and are responsible for grandchildren, 63% are women. Waking up. 
by B.J. Gallagher. When I was a young wife, I used to iron my husband's shirts every week. He was a snappy dresser and meticulous about his clothes. One weekend he happened to be watching me as I ironed. Why do you do it that way, he asked. What, I replied. This is just the way it's done. Really, he asked. Well, sure, I responded. You start with the collar and iron that. Then you do the part across the shoulders. Then you iron one sleeve and the other. Finally, you start on the front side with the buttons and work your way around to the back of the shirt and end on the front side with the buttonholes. That's the way it's done. Seemingly amused, he asked, Who says? Well, that's the way my mother did it, I answered. And it suddenly occurred to me that I ironed shirts the way my mother did without even thinking about it. It's as if I absorb things by...